welcome to the Diocesan Digest, a news outlet for the Episcopal Diocese of Oklahoma. I'm your host, Sarah Smith, Coordinator of Media. In these short episodes, we will share the latest news, ministry stories, clergy, spotlights, and much more about the Diocese of Oklahoma each week. If you or your congregation wants to share a ministry story or other important news item, or even a particular topic you want to see covered on the podcast, please contact me at smith at epiok.org. A few announcements, folks. First, the Diocese of Oklahoma extends its warm welcome to Father Lee Dominic, the new rector of Trinity Tulsa. Father Lee is currently the rector at St. Luke's Episcopal in Minneapolis. We are thrilled to have him join us. All Souls Oklahoma City is looking for a part-time receptionist. You can find the job description and contact information on the epiok.org website under news and events, then the announcements tab. Also, we have a ton of important events coming up. On September 13th and 14th, the Reverend Becca Stevens will be here with the women from Thistle Farms. Tickets are $20 on epiok.org slash bishop dash lecture. Also on the 14th is the Ochre Hater Honor Dance out at the Whirlwind Mission in Watonga. And lastly, there will be a virtual meeting with the diocesan finance team to go over the proposed diocesan budget for 2020. This week's episode features our diocesan archivist, Miss Pam Bell. Pam is what I call our living history book of the diocese. You could get lost spending hours talking with this amazing lady about all sorts of interesting facts about our history. She is fantastic. We are so lucky to have such a learned and sophisticated person with her background working at our diocese to maintain our history and to help share it. We chat about her job and what all an archivist does and the many awesome projects she's working on. So let's dive into it, y'all. Here is Pam Bell. All right, Pam, when did you start your job as an archivist? How long have you been an archivist? I've been an archivist for about 20 years. And it all started because I was going back to work and I wanted to um, get a job that I really liked. And I really like museums and archive papers. So I decided to go back to school and get a master's in museum studies. Now, most archivists get their degree through a library science program, a master's in library science, to be a librarian, and then go into archiving. So I kind of did it the untraditional way. And at that time, UCO was the only uh, college within the state that had a museum studies program. So I went back and received a master's in museum studies. I interned at the Holocaust Museum in D.C. and also the Cowboy Museum, the wow. National Cowboy Western Heritage yes. Museum. And then I started working at the Cowboy Museum 
and worked there a number of years with uh, the first director of the research center there. And then I moved over to the Oklahoma City National Memorial and worked there for a number of years. And I worked with artifacts and archival documents. So we had uh, probably 100,000 artifacts and all different kinds of materials from plastics to metal to textiles, mm. a lot of different things. Mm. And then I also uh, cataloged and processed the archival collections, the documents and also the photos, which we had lots of photos. And then we got into digitizing. So that brought me to the Episcopal Diocese. When they were looking for an archivist, they wanted someone part-time, and I only wanted to work part-time at that point. Perfect. So I came here and um, am helping them to process the collections that haven't been processed, and then also get into the digitization age, and then hopefully create a web page for the archives. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. What an impressive background you bring. <laughs> Well, it's church. a little different, you know. Yeah. Um, it's not just an archival background, but it's with artifacts, too. And we do have and we artifacts. artifacts. Right. What kind of stuff do we get? So we have, as far as artifacts, we have textiles from, um, cl from clergy, former clergy. Right. But we also have uh, linens from closed churches. And a lot of that we recycle or reuse, you want to say, into the other churches that need items. And we also have a lot of liturgical items, um, candelabras, um, oh, I'm trying to even think of all, all the different things that we have, um, the patents, uh, chalices, different items like that, that churches, you know, might need around the state. Mm -hmm. So we try to uh, save those and reuse them. Or if a church is closed, I like to save at least one item from that church. So we have some concrete evidence that that church was there mm -hmm. and kind of an honor and a memorial to the congregants that were mm -hmm. part of that church. Yeah. So we have a lot of different kinds of artifacts. Uh, they do go back to 1898 and, in fact, a little even further, 1894, I believe. Wow. And some artifacts that were collected by clergy during that time are Native American mm. artifacts, too. Mm. So, I've been in our storage unit and seen some of the altars that we've got from the, the churches that have closed. Yes. Some big uh, pieces. Yes, they are, and I'm not sure where we're going to be using them next, but there are some beautiful wood ornate altars in there, along with other items that we're trying to find homes for. Mm -hmm. So so what's the process of when a church closes? There's, isn't there a word for it? You have to take the... Well, we have to deconsecrate. Deconsecrate. Right. What does this mean? Uh, that means that uh, really what happens when a church opens, it is consecrated. It is, you know, formally kind of blessed um, by a, the bishop or the priest that is there. So in order to um, make it like not a church anymore or unho not holy, um, we deconsecrate a lot of the items. Uh, that is when they, those items come to the archive and I either try to find a home for them or hold on to them till we find a home or hold on to them permanently 
So we have a record of that church. Mm -hmm. Also, when the church closes, we go in and we take all of their records that they have had throughout the years, and we save them down in the archives, especially the church service registers and the registrants of the uh, co confirmed congregants and baptized and marriages. Mm -hmm. So we keep all the registers down there. So if anyone ever comes back and wants to know, um, was this person confirmed in the church, then we have that record Got permanently. You. Got you. So did you know much about the Episcopal Church before you started this show? No, I didn't. I was raised Lutheran, okay. which does have um, some crossover. Uh, yeah, there's an agreement between the mm -hmm. Lutheran and Episcopal Church. But the Episcopal services are a little different than the Lutheran services. But the um, the faith is the same. The beliefs are the same. So it's just a matter of learning a little more terminology that they use. We do have weird, fancy <laughs> words for everything. Uh, yes, especially the liturgical items. Mm -hmm. I have to make a list of those yeah. <laughs> with descriptions. Like in order I still to... can't say further correctly. <laughs> Like, did I even say it right? Thermal? The the thing that with the, with yes. the incense. Thermal, isn't it? It's a thermal. thermal. The, the <laughs> yes. thurfer is the person who does it. See, I don't, I don't even know. know. And I've been in the church for like six <laughs> years. So I feel like you have this huge knowledge and you're, you're like the living history book of the diocese. How long has it taken you to, to like store all that in your brain through your work here? Because is that how you've you've just been sifting through all the materials and just soaking it in, or right for what happened was for ten years they didn't have an archivist here, and there was a wow. great archivist here previously to that, Reverend Stan Upchurch, who who um, did process a lot of the collections and he also collected a lot of the historical papers. The problem was really processing it and getting them into boxes and sorting them down like you would sort archival papers, which is a little different than uh, normal administrative files. So it's taken me a year just to go through and kind of go through the papers. Sometimes you had to go through papers one at a time and decide, mm -hmm. okay, where does that paper go? Right. What, what category is that in? You know, what, where am I going to put that? Mm -hmm. So it's taken me a year to do that, and I've got most of the papers uh, kind of segregated and half-processed. So right now we're trying to digitize and put them into an uh, internal system and then also offer access to the public through our web page. Mm -hmm. So it's taken me a while, but um, you get a lot of the history you know, I've learned a lot about the history of the Episcopal Church in Oklahoma, and it really is fascinating and just really interesting. The people that were involved in the early history, mm -hmm. the building up of the churches, it, it really is um, a hi social history of Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. I feel like someone needs to write a book with all the stuff. Could there... you could you do that? Can that be your next project? <laughs> Well, there have been a couple of books about the history of Oklahoma, the Episcopal Church in Oklahoma, and there have been many articles, uh, but um, 
it always seems like, you know, someone's missing some facts or we're missing kind of the hidden storylines, mm -hmm. which are the most interesting mm -hmm. part of the history. You know, mm -hmm. facts about when a church opened and when it closed really doesn't tell the story of a church. No. I mean, it's the people, it's mm -hmm. the, the different priests that have been there, how the church interacted with the community, mm -hmm. what did the church bring to the community. So that's the interesting part. And I don't want that all in my head. I want that out there in the public for the public to see. Yeah. So what are you hoping to get? We're working on the website together and making these things available. What what types of things are we going to make available to the public? Well, I'm hoping to make a lot of photos available to, pu to the public because these are photos that um, are not found in any other collections in Oklahoma or even in the Episcopal National Archives there mm. in Austin. So we have some very interesting um, historical photos that I would like to get up on the website of different kind of uh, categories, you could say like bishops and churches and the different institutions that the church has been involved in in Oklahoma, also the schools in Oklahoma and publications that we have done throughout the years from this diocese, um, his, historical papers that have been written about the history of the Episcopal Church in Oklahoma, and then also the journals that go back to like 1893. Mm. And getting all of that up on the website, I think will help uh, the Episcopal congregants of Oklahoma understand their heritage a little better and maybe feel a little part a bigger part of the Episcopal history. Mm -hmm. Now, do other dioceses have archivists? Do you ever talk to them? Well, is anyone um, doing as cool stuff as we're doing? I'd say no, they are doing it cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> because most of the dioceses across the U.S. do not have an archivist. Um, there are about, I think, three other certified archivists, or there's three in total certified archivists, me being one of them, mm. in the Episcopal Diocese wow. overall in the U.S. And there, if there are di uh, archivists in the different dioceses across the U.S., they're always part-time. So I'm also a part-time person. The only full-time archivists positions are in the National Episcopal Church Archives in Austin. Mm -hmm. So really, most of the dioceses do not have an archivist. Some of the papers of different dioceses have gone to universities within mm -hmm. the state, which um, kind of provides a problem with access, mm -hmm. because in order to get to those papers, you have to first go through the Episcopal diocese for approval and then go to the university and show your approval letter in order to get to the documents. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think Oklahoma is ahead of the game. I mean, as far as um, bringing out their history, uh, bringing out their traditions, uh, and bringing out the notable people that were in the diocese here, mm -hmm. I mean, we're way ahead of the game. And that's why I like to get that web page up and yeah. going. Yeah, we got some. We got such cool stuff. I love everything I've been learning about our this Native American uh -huh. ties <laughs> and David Pendleton Okerhater's legacy and our continued relationship with the, some of the tribes in the state. Yes, because we. Um, I don't know. I think we were the first diocese to really embrace the Native American. Um, 
probably through David Okerhader and also I believe it was Zotan is his name that was down in the um, southern part of Oklahoma at the Kiowa mission mm. there. So we've been a real kind of leader um, in the history of Native American mission, missionary work, but um, we have, uh, I think, a lot more to do with that, mm -hmm. you know, now in the current contemporary world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm excited to dig out some of these old stories. Like you just sent me an email about our first uh, black female deacon who was ordained in the diocese. Right. And I, that's what I would like to bring out is mm -hmm. uh, the different accomplishments yeah. that have occurred in the diocese. And then also the notable people like David Pendleton Okahater, mm -hmm. because um, those people um, really have built up the church. Yeah, right. And, and just been an inspiration for other people yeah. to be involved in the church mm -hmm. and just created a history that is really unique in Oklahoma. Yeah. What is one of the most interesting things you've dug up down there? I think the most interesting uh, story, if you want to call that, is about the different uh, priests that were um, early on in Oklahoma, we had some very interesting characters and I've been researching some of them and, and would like to kind of make a collection of materials about these people. I mean, uh, they came in even before the bishop came here in 1893. So it's, it's really interesting. I mean, how did they survive before a bishop was even here? What did they do? Mm -hmm. What did they, how did they add to the uh, missionary district? So I think that's really interesting is mm -hmm. all of that. I mean, it's not like one artifact, you could right. say, um, but it's a collection of the stories right. of the people, I think, that are the most interesting. Because I think that'd be really cool to know what it was like, like before and after the land run, <laughs> right, when the tribes have already moved here and then folks are allowed to claim land and how that all worked. Like there were like pop-up churches, kind of like <laughs> I'm sure with wagons and and things. Yes, and I've seen a picture um, up at the uh, Whirlwind Mission where um, Okahater was. I've seen a picture of an altar in the forest mm -hmm. and it was where they held church before there was a building. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's it was very different. I mean, no air conditioning right. for sure, no electricity. Mm -hmm. But I mean, what they scraped together to, to have a church mm -hmm. is just remarkable because I don't know how many of us today would really be doing all of that, right. what they did. Right. You know? Yeah. It's really cool. And we need to, I, I love your job because we're honoring our past and helping that lead our future. I think it's so, so important. Yeah. I think that we could learn from um, a lot of the people and a lot of the church history um, about what kind of works and what doesn't work mm -hmm. and what congregations um, would like to see, you know, and, and how they help uh, each congregant's life, really. Mm -hmm. And just so I think that's so interesting and important to learn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what what big projects did we talk about this? What projects you're working on right now? I'm working on too many projects. <laughs> 
because I, I feel like I'm jumping up to one thing to another. I'm trying to digitize um, administrative records. I'm also trying to digitize historical photographs. And then I'm also trying to create the website with you. Um, I also have to do some training in-house with people. I'm trying to look for an intern, uh, archival or museum studies intern That'd to come great. and help. Yeah. Because um, I've, I've digitized, it looked like about 16,500 documents already. And that's just been within probably three months. Um, so that takes up a lot of time. And then answering research questions. I, I'm trying to think of my total list, but I have forgotten after about <laughs> Number five of my list of things to do. <laughs> and we're also going to be doing um, weekly, I'm hoping, or maybe every other week, trivia from the archives where we get Pam to share um, a couple questions and get people engaged and thinking about our history and learning. I think they ought to send us questions. Ooh, Don't you think that's a that's good idea? That's a good idea? idea, too. We'll do both. Okay. I love that. So everyone send Sarah questions. Send questions. <laughs> we'll make Pam work twice as hard. <laughs> yes, we'll give you something else to research. <laughs> well, yeah, that'd be fun. Oh, I, we, that. I can research. And we both learn then yeah. about the history. Yeah. Sweet. Cool. I think that was all awesome. I loved it. Okay. Thank you so much for your work and your expertise and your passion you bring. Yes, places. and I'd like to show you some artifacts sometime then yes. about what we have down there. Yeah. Maybe that we could do a video of that yeah. or just an explanation of, mm -hmm. of what I'm holding and no one can see. Ooh. I like that. <laughs> Hidden gems. Yeah. Guess what it is. <laughs> <laughs> What's this old thing? All right. Thank you so much, Pam. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, y'all. Be sure to sign up for the Diocesan Newsletter at our website, epiok.org newsletter. And follow us on all of our social media platforms to stay up to date on what's going on in the Episcopal Diocese of Oklahoma. See y'all next week, and peace be with you.